There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Friday Views on Yahoo Sports Canada. My name is Iman, and I am joined by the slander expert himself, Asad. What's up, Asad? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Chilling. Raptors are kind of on a win streak a little bit if you don't count losses or if you count moral victories. What do you what are your thoughts on the whole moral victories conversation that's been happening online? The Raptors, of course, just recently lost to the Phoenix Suns and some Raptor fans were kind of bummed by the loss. But some other Raptor fans looked at it and said, OK, Scotty Barnes didn't play. Gary Trent Jr. didn't play. And you still really held your own against one of the best teams in the league and a team that made the finals last year. How do you look at that loss? Uh, I think when it comes to any type of regular season game, like people kind of forget, like Kawhi said, it's 82 practices, right? So like regardless of kind of how the season goes and regardless of what your win-loss record is, a lot of times what you're really looking for is like, is this like a good quality team or not? Like you can be a 50-win team and be a fraud. Or you can be a 45-win team and be, like, one of the best teams in basketball, right? So, for the Raptors, I'm like, yeah, the wins and losses matter. Like, you want to have a good seeding. You want to make the playoffs. But as long as you're in the playoff hunt, what you're really looking for is, like, is this team playing quality basketball? Like, when I'm watching this team, are they playing, like, a playoff team and a team that can succeed in the playoffs, right? And that's kind of the stuff that you want to look for. And as of late, the Raptors have been playing better and better. And they've been putting together longer stretches of good basketball um, with a bunch of different units. So, like people can call it moral victories or whatever, but like the regular season isn't game seven. So it doesn't really matter. Like, so I tend to care less about the wins and losses. Like winning is always nice, but you know, if they're playing well, then why would you, why would you have a problem with it? Like it was tough loss against, loss against Phoenix, but it was a good game. It was a great game to watch. And, you know, it sucks that we weren't, nobody was there in person to watch it, but you know, it was a good, good night of TV. So I'm always I'm always a fan of the moral victory, at least when it comes to the regular season. Even without a crowd not being there, it seemed like the Raptors had a little bit of a home court advantage with the Raptor disrupting Devin Booker's shot that went in. So I don't even know why he was complaining. What are your thoughts about what happened there? Uh, hey, you know, like you got to have home court advantage some way. You know, Devin Booker, known to complain. Uh, but again, it doesn't really matter. Like it's just a little bit of drama. The NBA is entertainment first. So, you know, you got to, you got to look at the entertaining aspects of it. You know, it probably means nothing, but uh, I forget who it was. I think Zach Lowe was on ESPN saying that Devin Booker playing with fire here because the mascot community is pretty tight knit. So who knows? Who knows what mascot goes after? I mean, the bull is already making jokes about it on Twitter. He's already making jokes with an inflatable Raptor himself, um, which is so funny. I don't know if it's just that I follow the Raptors closer than other teams, but it feels like, there's always something random going on because I, I don't know if you saw this, but Devin Booker changed his profile picture on Twitter to a rap, to the Raptors mascot with a photo that looks as blurry as it was taken from like a 2005 flip phone. But um, 
it feels like there's always something like that going on. Like you had the King of the North thing with, with Marcus Smart posting things on Twitter. You had Mitchell Robinson changing his bio to being like, we the South or something like that. Do you find that like, is it, is it just me? Or do you find that this like often happens with the Raptors or something that has nothing to do with the game or is like a side thing that has to usually do with fans and maybe a result of like the Raptors rabid fan base online that has players even antagonizing us? Uh, well, I think it's it's become very much a thing where the Raptor fan base is fairly young and very online and very, very loud, at least on Twitter, right? So they're always engaged. They're kind of in every single space. Anytime I jump into an NBA space, somehow there's a, somebody there from Canada, somebody there from Toronto, somebody talking about the Raptors. And it's like, how did you get in this space about the Lakers? Why are you in this space about the Lakers? But it's because, you know, we've got, we've got an active and fairly messy fan base. It's like to be everywhere. Hell, one of the biggest Laker accounts is after all, you know, big business who's uh, coming out of Toronto. Right. So like you, you got, you got Canadians all over the place. Um, and I think at least when it comes to NBA Twitter, the Raptors have a very, they might not have the largest fan base, uh, I wouldn't say, but they have a very active and loud and I would, you know, sometimes annoying fan base. Like I remember, and a lot of it comes from post-championship. I remember post-championship, like I would do my regular in-game tweeting. I said something, you know, might be slightly negative about a player. And I just had a bunch of people in my mentions. I was like, where did these people come from? <laughs> Why am I getting yelled at? Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, it goes, goes as it goes and you'd rather have it. I think, I think the players also recognize that like it gets them engagement and it's something that, kind of works so like to stoke the fires and also i think the players see toronto as being an outside american market so they like that i know i know that when players usually come up to toronto like they usually have something something special to say about toronto because they see it as an international uh market for at least themselves yeah like opening up their brands a little bit by by dipping their toes into i don't know tim hortons um Okay, so you talked a little bit about it, the rabid fan base online. Also, a little bit about the sort of playoff intensity of that Phoenix Suns-Raptors game. I'm not going to put words into your mouth. I'm going to say it had a playoff intensity. I don't know if you felt like that, but that's definitely how I felt. And part of that is the emergence of the Raptors core. We had our three players, despite two guys from the starting lineup not being in there. We had our two, three main guys. One of them in particular that I want to focus on is Pascal Siakam. Now, last week, Yasmin and I sort of talked about his emergence and it kind of felt like he had a very, very, very outside shot at the playoff, at the, sorry, at the All-Star game. And it still kind of feels like he has an outside shot at the All-Star game, but it's starting to grow and it's starting to pick up. Fred Van Vliet almost feels like a lock at this point. Speaking about him last week, it felt like a little bit of a long shot, but he really should be in there. Right now, I'm going to say he's a lock. I'm, I'm locking it in. I think that Fred Van Vliet, you know, as long as knock on wood, he stays healthy. I think he is a lock for the all-star team, which really leaves us talking about a guy like Pascal Siakam, who has broke the top 10 for forwards in the Eastern Conference in terms of fan voting. Yeah. The forwards in the Eastern Conference, very hard to break the top 10, you know, with the likes of LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, finally crossing crossing that, you know, Goliath of an all-star vote. <laughs> we have to do, so like, shout out to the Pascal Siakam fan page on Twitter, who um, did a bit of a deep dive sort of searching for that. We need a full investigative report because you are not going to convince me that there are actually 300,000 votes after LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the- unless LaMarcus Aldridge has like a massive fan base internationally, 
which I have no idea about. Maybe he does. Uh, Did he ever start when he was on Portland? Did they not exist there? Like, I, I don't feel like I don't remember him ever being an all-star starter, but I guess he has a massive fan base that likes to vote via NBA.com and is not on Twitter, right? So uh, it is what it is. Like, again, like the, the fan votes are always kind of fun to look at the totals. When it comes to Pascal Siakam, though, like, I think he's going to fall victim to just being like a week coming back a week too late. Like that probably that COVID week probably ate into like the number of games he probably needed to prove it. Like if he had another week, cause basically what voting ends on the 22nd and then I believe the reserves get announced on like the third or something like that February 3rd. So he doesn't, right. he probably won't have enough games for the coaches to be able to vote him in. And the Raptors record probably won't be good enough for them to get two all-stars. Um, I feel like a lot of the talk in the East is that you have like 10 or 11 teams that are playoff quality, some of them getting, you know, legacy spots in there, some of them, you know, just um, because they're big brand names um, as stars. And I feel Did like you the say East Jason is... Tatum. Is that what I heard you just say? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, sorry. Yeah, Jason, I, thought you, Jason, I thought you said his name. <laughs> when you talk about legacy votes, right? You think of, you know, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, guys who've been in the league such a long time. Oh, always on such winning record, franchises. Right? Of, of like Jason Tatum's success. what? 23 years old like that's basically like aarp right like he might as well be a, a veteran um uh, is he but, not 21 anymore does that change <laughs> it's not 21 it's, it's kind of wild how jason tatum gets such a favorable tint in the media or at least like in all-star vote coverage like every time i read something about who people's all-star picks are they have jason tatum in there which is kind of wild because i'm like well i can understand putting him over jalen brown because he's played more games but Jalen Brown's clearly been better than him and when he's played. And Jaylen Jason Brown Tatum fantastic. Went, and when Jason Tatum has played, he's been like kind of a chucker. <laughs> like, can we be honest about it? He's been more Jamal Crawford than he has been Kobe Bryant. Like, if you're talking about scale, like, sure, he puts up a lot of points and he's leading the team in scoring. He's their number one option, but they're not really winning games. He's not really leading the team well. The team has a leadership gap as it is. And then also his individual numbers aren't great. He's the guy is scoring 25 points a game on 21 shots. And his efficiency is like the worst it's been in his career. He's shooting the three ball at like 33%, but he's managing to chuck up like nine a game, eight a game or something like that. Um, so it's it's kind of ridiculous that he gets like this automatic spot from, you know, many different places. But timeout, timeout, timeout. In the words of, of a great writer and journalist he will eventually shoot the ball better so we should be giving him that all-star spot isn't that how it works we don't credit guys based off of what they've done thus far we give them credit for what they could eventually do it's not something we've you know ever allowed for like pascal siakam coverage it's never been a thing people have said well pascal's been playing terribly but you know what he will he will play better eventually it's not something anyone has ever said said seems to all taste datum yeah, I don't I don't know what it is with Jason Tatum. I guess he had a one good series against LeBron. He had that dunk that everybody saw, and they were like, all right, he's the guy. And he looks like – and with Jason Tatum, like, to be fair, he's a good player. Like, at his ceiling, he has a really high ceiling. When he's on, he's really on, and he looks like the type of star that we're used to seeing historically. The thing is, though, it's like – like, when you're talking about all-star, like, you got to actually look at the results, right? And what I feel a lot of the time is it's a, it's a laziness that, like, comes with – watching the sport that people just gravitate towards stars because they're who those are whose market especially boston boston always gets a favorable tint in the media i wonder why 
<laughs> we can, you know, probably look at a lot of people's resumes and figure that out. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And Wikipedia, their birthplaces. It just, the only thing that's annoying is with Jason Tatum is like the Celtics are what, in 10th or 11th in the East? And they have to be guaranteed an all-star when there's, you know, so many deserving players uh, across the board who have much better numbers than him. And I'm not even saying Pascal Siakam should be an all-star. I think he's borderline at best, even if he gets to the 30 game mark and he's still playing as well as he's playing. I think he's borderline um, because like, are you going to argue how much of the, like the Raptors success been because of Fred Van Vliet versus Pascal Siakam? I personally think that they're pretty even. I think both of them are co-stars um, but again, it comes down to the Colin DeMar argument, right? If the Raptors are in second or third in the East, no question, both should be in. But in the six, seven seed, you know, maybe you're splitting hairs. Um, but NBA narratives are funny, right? Because like Pascal Siakam has one bad bubble, which is like clear reasons for it, obviously an outlier. And then he has never played like that since then. Like he had that one bubble stretch of what, 14, 20, 20 games, like in the playoffs. And then never played like that again. And yet that's how people are like, well, you know, is Pascal Siakam going to return to form? He's still trying to come back from the bubble. And I'm like, well, he had one bad bubble stretch where he shot like 39% in the playoffs because he was out of shape. The Pelicans broadcast says Pascal has never looked this good since Kawhi Leonard left the Raptors. Pascal dropped 44 points on the Pelicans post Kawhi Leonard. He dropped 44 the and then they 34. Were, they, and then they had, they had courtside seats to that game. <laughs> and still, for whatever reason, like that's so crazy to me that we're talking about someone like Jason Tatum where people are looking at, granted, I think Jason Tatum is, is a good player. I think he's like, I think he's a great player. I think he ha- his ceiling is really high. And I also think he has a very similar thing to what Raptor fans have recently done with someone like a Gary Trent Jr., obviously different caliber players. But because the difficulty of shot that they make is so high, you almost believe that they make it at a higher rate than they actually do. Because when it goes in, it looks so good. It's such a beautiful game of basketball where there are nights where Jason Tatum takes and makes a shot. And I'm like, how on earth did a player hit that that you almost feel as though they're a they make them at a higher clip than they actually do and I think Jason Tatum has a bit of that glow whereas I've mentioned in the past like Siakam kind of I think his game has been much smoother this season but especially last year had a very herky-jerky game where it looked much clunkier it didn't look as smooth and so even when things went in you saw how laborious the process was that you almost just counted it as a, as, as a miss because it just felt like too much work um so I think that Pascal kind of has that sort of like dim light on him whereas Tatum has a bit of a glow but how crazy is it that we have these two sort of narratives about these players that have less to do with what they're doing on the court and more to do with the way that we view them or what we want to see about their games because of how smooth and aesthetically pleasing it looks when it's at its best. Just so, just to make it clear, like Jason Tatum's averaging 25 points a game on 41% shooting, 33% from three and 53% true shooting, which is below league average. And he's checking up 21 shots a game. So, you know, all, and oh yeah, he averages what? Three and a half assists to like two and a half turnovers. So he doesn't get doesn't to the line. He doesn't get doesn't to the, get the line, line either. Doesn't really. That's another thing. That if you're going to shoot lanes. that poorly, get to the free throw line. That's that's yeah. what it comes down to. And like you can talk about the Celtics roster and all those things. And there are definitely like, you know, reasons like he had to carry the team without Jalen Brown. I'm not saying he didn't have reasons, but just because he has reasons for why he's playing bad doesn't mean that he should be an all-star over guys who've been playing well. Uh, and just before we finish off on this, I just want to say I also hate 
how anytime a player in a big market struggles and he's like a star that's an up-and-coming star, they get compared to Pascal Siakam. If anyone compares Julius Randle to Pascal Siakam, they they need to be just like stripped of, stripped of their stripped of their credentials because it's ridiculous. Please go ahead and look at Julius Randle shooting like twenty something percent in the playoffs, like truly just awful basketball. And I love Julius. He, I have awful. I have it here. So Pascal, and this is something that you have repeated quite a bit, and and I think it's a great point because we often compare Julius Randle's playoff struggles to. Um, Pascal Siakam's playoff struggles the year before because they were both most improved players of the year. They were finally leading a team into the promised land, into the playoffs. They get to that big stage and they don't perform in the way that everyone sort of expected them to. And in that way, their narratives are fairly similar. But Julius Randle shot 10% worse from the floor than Pascal Siakam. And that, like, if we want to say that Pascal Siakam shot terribly, and he did, he did. He shot under 40%. It was 39 and something. He shot terribly from the floor. Julius Randle somehow managed 10 percentage points worse than Pascal Siakam, but still they get compared as if it was on par with each other, which is ludicrous. And I which think is, that that's a very fair thing to say. And the most ludicrous part is like Julius Randle and Pascal are both seen as like playoff flops, but like Pascal Siakam has a history of doing well in the playoffs as well, which everyone just decides to, you know, conveniently forget. But, you know, that that's what life is, you know, um, when you play in Toronto. Uh, people don't really watch you and people don't really care. So it is what it is. But, you know, at least the people here watching Yahoo Sports Canada, they care and they know. And that's why we have such a loud and annoying Twitter fan base. Uh, because, you know, okay, gotta, I'm so glad make you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I did want to kind of get into the narratives because as Raptor fans, we've been hearing this, we've been saying it, we've been yelling it for years, and I wanted to know how you felt about it, about, you know, and it sounds like you believe that there is truth to it, that the Raptors don't get the benefit of the doubt in the NBA media. Not to say that there's a grand Canadian conspiracy, but maybe it's because people don't watch as much of the Toronto Raptors as maybe, um, you know, they watch other teams. And, and we're seeing it, especially with the Pascal Siakam conversations about people just assuming that Pascal Siakam is this bad player without taking into context the groin injury or COVID or any of the other things that we've done with a guy like Jason Tatum or a guy like Julius Randle or anybody else that's really sort of gone through a similar thing. Also, we kind of see it with the Kyle Lowry thing. And, and granted, to start the year, that was a little bit of trolling from Miami Heat Twitter where they were like, oh, look at Kyle finally buying into heat culture and do, uh, taking charges or whatever it is that he's doing. And a lot of it was trolling. But really what we're seeing right now from Kyle Lowry is spectacular. And we can even get into this a little bit. He's been so good for them. Like the Miami Heat started off this year with a big three of Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and Kyle Lowry. And they've only played 14 games together through the first half of the season, which is insane. And in 15 games that both Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler have not been in, the Heat are 11 and four. They're 11 and four in the 15 games that they've missed both Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. And the large part of that is Kyle Lowry. He's doing something that he's always done as Raptor fans. We know that you put Kyle out on the court with four bodies and you're going to have a positive net rating. Kyle plus bench. It brought us back 
from the Mavericks down 30. It's something that has worked every single year. Kyle is just that guy. He just wins, even if the numbers don't necessarily reflect that. And he's getting a lot of that shine in Miami. Now, I don't know that he's putting up the gaudy numbers that might make him an all-star. And also, the East is really deep with a lot of guards this year that he might not make it there, but he's still being talked about as an all-star not because of the numbers that he's putting up because they're not crazy at all, but because of the impact he has on the game and his winning there. And then on the flip side, we have a guy like DeMar DeRozan who is putting up those gaudy numbers and is doing a lot of similar things that he did in Toronto, granted at a higher rate than he ever has and is improved as a player, definitely. But there's so much talk about him being most improved player. So we have Kyle doing things that he's done and finally sort of getting credit from the national media for it and DeMar doing things that he's done and finally getting credit from the national media for it. It feels like they didn't get that same credit when they were here with the Raptors, which might lead to your point about the narrative's not really working in the Raptors' favor. There maybe is a grand conspiracy against the Raptors from the national media. Yeah, <laughs> or is that too far? Yeah, I think like a lot of it is just kind of like jokes and stuff like that to kind of say it. But yeah. realistically, it's like you got to have to think about it like this, right? While that's true about those players and like how you know they've been those quality of players for multiple years, but now they're getting recognition. I think the way that people kind of forget about the NBA is like, similar to how the NBA is a secondary sport in Canada to the NHL. So when you turn on Sportsnet, you turn on TSN, wherever you turn on, you'll see a lot of coverage about hockey and then a little bit talk about the NBA. But at least that talk about the NBA is focused on one team mainly, right? Uh, in the States, it's, you know, the, all these major networks, they're talking about football. It's NFL season. They're talking about football uh, for the majority of their, their show. And then they'll flip over to the NBA to cover the 30 teams. They're only going to hit like the big markets. So that's why you kind of get this like storyline type coverage. And it gets a little lazy. Um, you know, that's why usually following specific teams tends to be better. You get a better picture of it, but it is a bit annoying when you see DeMar DeRozan getting an MIP case. And it's like, uh, well, forget about even Raptor yet. Like he's become a better player since he's left the Raptor, but he was doing a lot of this in San Antonio. Like that's where it's like, that's a small market team. It doesn't get any coverage. He actually had a good, like his last playoff series in San Antonio defensively aside, his offensive numbers still stood out. He was able to carry that offense for what it was. But again, DeMar's an MIP because now he's playing in Chicago. Kyle's, you know, this like Chris Paul level point guard because he's playing in Miami. Um, it kind of just depends on the attention and how big a fan base is or how much it really matters to the, the media but it is a little annoying as a raptor fan when you kind of see like these guys who you feel like should have been getting more love when they were raptors but you know at least they're getting love now and that's good to see and you know hopefully uh we get a bit of a raptor reunion at the all-star game that'd be fun one person who doesn't need to be off the raptors to get some sort of international love or national media love is Fred Van Vliet. And I think part of that is his story is just so great. And he's such an easy player to root for. And I kind of put it really simply, he hit shots, which is like really nice. As someone who has defended Kyle Lowry, probably stronger than anybody, um, it's been very frustrating to just explain to people his impact when a lot of it is intangible stuff. And it's like, he, he's never been the shooter that Fred Van Vliet is. He's not going to rack up 30 points a night like Fred Van Vliet so effortlessly seems to, to do now. Um, 
And so it's just been really hard to sort of hammer that in. But Fred Van Vliet does it flawlessly. He's been so good. And I think he's someone that everyone can root for. And I think because his story is, it's so, it's so unique and something that like, I think a lot of people can kind of relate to or maybe want to or aspire to just, you know, he's, he's small, he's undersized. He's kind Fred of, Fred is everybody's 2K to... my player. That's what it is. He's every single guy's 2K <laughs> my player. Okay. And like, if they had an unlimited credit card to buy all the VC to go, because hey, 2K it starts you off as like, you're like, whatever draft pick, you're never the number one draft pick. Your player always sucks. You got to play in the G league. Uh, and Fred Van <laughs> did all that, but in real life while being five, nine and look at him. He's, uh, you know, going to be an all-star this year, and it's pretty awesome. Yes. Uh, you know, that's why he gets hated on, because he kind of, you know, he's like you, but way better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so, Fred Van Vliet, going to be an all-star. You said it. Pascal Siakam, a fringe all-star, but definitely playing like an all-star as of late. I'm with you. I just don't think he's played enough games, and I don't think the Raptors record really merits them getting two guys to represent them, but he's definitely played at an all-star caliber level. I think the only way he really gets in is an injury replacement, something along those lines. That's kind of what it's looking like for him right now. Uh, enough on wood, that doesn't happen. But that, where, where I want to sort of lead to is Odian and Obi. So we've got two guys on the rafters really playing like all-stars. And this season started off with, of course, Pascal Hurt. And OG Ananobi taking on a primary offensive role. And we're watching OG Ananobi really create for himself in a way that he hadn't in the past. And he did excel in that role. He was really efficient um, in, in a space that he hadn't been in in the past. And now as a team started to get healthy and you have Pascal playing at an elite level and you have Fred Van Vliet playing at elite level, where does that leave OG Ananobi? Well, I think, and you can look to the Phoenix Sun for some of the limitations in OG's game right now, is as good as he is and as good as he can be. And he still has a lot of room to grow. Um, he's still, he's the youngest of, of the three. Um, so he has a lot of time to get better. But you saw limitations when he had trouble isoing or getting his feet set. Devin Booker was pushing up on him. He either fumbled the ball a few times, got caught in doubles, um, got caught in late shot clock situations. So him going from being a number one option to now being a number three option after Pascal and Fred is really where he gets to kind of leverage all of the high efficiency opportunities. Like he's still been amazing. He's averaging 20 points a game. He's doing great. But, and Pascal said this in his availability as well at practice where he said at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. Like the team has so many scorers on their starting lineup. They have, basically four or five guys who can get 30 points if they get going. So their goal on offense isn't just to like, oh, Fred's going to get 30 or Pascal's going to get 30. It's like, who has the mismatch? We're going to find the mismatch and we're going to push that. And some nights that'll be OG. Sometimes that might be Scotty. Sometimes it might be Gary Trent just, you know, dropping bombs from the mid range while everybody's helping on Pascal and Fred. So I think where OG is right now, he's going to be a support role guy. Uh, but he can have a massive impact. Like he's a high level three-point shooter. He's going to get a lot of really high quality three-point looks and he's going to get to attack moving defenses a lot. And with the way that Nick Nurse is running his rotation, you have when Gary and Scotty were still in the lineup, they were running all five of those guys as starters. And then the three guys off the bench were Precious, Kem, and Chris Boucher. None of those three guys are scoring a lot of points. None of them are using a lot of possessions, right? They're possession finishers, if anything, 
or being used to just get offensive rebounds and reset the possession. So the opportunities are going to come for these guys in those mixed hybrid lineups um, where it's like two starters and three bench guys, right? And that's where I think OG is going to have to. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Kind of uh, be aggressive and really set the tone because he's going to be able to score a lot of points leading those lineups. And really, that's what you want to see. I think since he's come back, his balance has been a little bit off. He hasn't, you know, his shot isn't fully back yet. He was shooting a lot better before he um, got sick um, and got hurt. Uh, so that's still coming. And hopefully he catches that rhythm. It's a little disappointing because it was like, oh, it seemed like all the things were lining up, you know, with Pascal hurt uh, and OG just being ready to take all the shots that were available. And he was doing so. He had, some big games, especially the 30 against New York, the big game against Indiana as well, like he always does because he loves beating, beating the hell out of Indiana. Uh, so it's kind of unfortunate that he doesn't get that all-star shine this year um, that he could have because of that hip injury. But again, it really just depends on building up to the playoffs. So I think, you know, if this team can stay healthy for the second half of the season, OG can continue building in this role you're looking at a very promising core of three guys who can kind of just build this team. And that Phoenix game was the example, right? You had no Scotty, no Gary, and basically the entire offense came from three guys and they almost got it done against a healthy Phoenix lineup that just went to the finals last year. Uh, and they were, they were playing high level defense on both ends and the Raptors with those guys stayed pretty calm and were able to find good looks consistently. So I, if anything, if I'm a Raptor fan, I'm just excited at the fact that we have so many good options. Like I, people always get into this comparison game, like, oh, we need to trade this guy. So this guy has more opportunities. I'm like, no, why do we need to trade any good players? If anything, trade the players that aren't as good. And, you know, you're hoping to get as many good players on your team. I want my team to look like an all-star team at the end of the day, right? Like uh, you want the Golden State Warriors lineup where you have all these homemade stars and then yeah. maybe you get one from the outside. Trade right? Clay. Steph shoots well enough. Yeah. Why do we need Clay? Like Steph, Clay, and Draymond were all like not saying that you know Fred, Pascal, and OG are those guys, but there's no saying they couldn't be. Like they they could develop into that. Fred's been playing at a Steph-like level as of late with his usage Jesus and like how Christ. he's been shooting. See, that's what he's been doing. He's shooting 45 from three, jacking up 13 that's a fair. game. It's like it is what it days, is, right? But uh, but hey, it's uh, it's cool to see and just having that type of internal growth on your team, like. It's 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 fun to have that and have these guys sign through their prime and so young that you actually get to see that growth. And then all in all, you get number four pick Scotty Barnes, who still has his entire career edible. So it's a good time for the. We didn't even mention him. Um, 
it, it is. And, you know, you said something, you seem a lot more optimistic than the people online are, um, specifically when it comes to the scoring options because of the bench, right? So we know that OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Fred Van Vliet are incredibly talented. You're adding in Scotty Barnes and, and Gary Trent Jr. And you have a really potent um, starting starting lineup you have a very potent starting lineup but comes to the bench you mentioned it with that phoenix game all of the offense pretty much came from your top three guys the bucks game last week when i recorded with yasmin the entirety of the scoring came from the starting lineup um and so a lot of people are worried about the bench scoring and a lot of people are looking for trades to possibly make and i think the two most areas that raptor fans are looking at is either a guy who can score off the bench or center to sort of shore up those lineups when the Raptors do get, you know, maybe have to go up against a guy like Joel Embiid or something like that. And what are your thoughts? Do the Raptors need to make a trade? And if they do, are you looking at a center or are you looking at some scoring off the bench? So like anything that, again, like it's kind of hard to balance. You've got this really young team and you've got all these assets and like realistically, the Raptors aren't going to win a championship this year, you know, like maybe, maybe they do, but most likely they won't um, really. It's like, you're building up for next year and the year after, right. That's when you're really going to make your push. And do you really want to waste assets on like a veteran shooting guard off the bench this year? Like if you can get them for really cheap, sure. If not, might not be worth it. I think one of the things is it would help to have one more bench scorer, I think, or at least one more bench shooter. That'd be nice shooter, for the Raptors. Yeah. Really a backup point guard would be great. Um, just in case ever Fred goes down or, you know, turn your shots, that doesn't happen. Or, you know, that you just need someone to give. If Fred goes down, I'm sorry, you're done. <laughs> what, is, what is bench shooting going to do? Well, and, and the other thing is like, do they need a center? I think they need somebody. Like people talk about Mo Bamba and they talk about Terrence Ross's options, right? From Orlando. Yeah. Again, yeah. The, the Orlando Magic have not been a good team. And those guys have been on those teams for a long time. The Magic are in a great organization, sure. Uh, but if those guys are on your bench, they'd be great. But how much do you have to give up to get them, right? Um, I think it would be cool if the Raptors made a move. I think that would show um, some belief in this team. But also, as a whole, I think we make a little bit too much about the Raptors bench scoring being poor because, again, the Raptors have five starters that average 15 points a game. Like, those guys need to get their shots somehow, and a lot of those shots are coming when half of them are on the bench, right? Yeah. So, like, if you want three, four guys who are number one options playing, like, number one options – then that's what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, it would really help to have one more guy to score off the bench. One more guy to shoot. I think what most people are sort of looking at, even in those hybrid lineups, you mentioned those guys, Ken, Boucher. Um, who, who, am I, who else am I missing? Ken, Boucher, Precious. None of those guys are particularly great three-point shooters or particularly good three-point shooters. And so even in those hybrid lineups, you're really, especially if they include a Pascal Siakam or Scotty Barnes, your shooting is so limited in those lineups. Um, and even a guy like Utah, who, um, you know, we hopefully can just like maintain sort of a 40% three-point. That's kind of what you hope for some of your bench guys. But doctors don't really have that. So who in your estimation, who do you think needs to step up? Who do you think is going to be that guy that can be a consistent three-point threat from the Raptors sort of main guys that I just mentioned there that aren't particularly good shooters? Who does it have yeah. to be or who do you think is most likely? So, like, again, like, the hope that I think Nick has is, like, well, one of those three guards on the bench, whether it's Utah Watanabe, whether it's Sui Mikhailuk, or, you know, Malachi Flynn, poor guy. He's been, you know, really rough this season, unfortunately. Oh. 
if any of those three guys can kind of give you some sort of shooting off the bench, it kind of solves your issue. Unfortunately, that hasn't been really seen this season. Utah has shown it in stretches, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's been fairly unlucky with health. Um, so if he can get healthy and stay healthy, I would say he's probably the best option because worst case, he's always giving you the defense. And that's, I think, all that really matters for the Raptors on the bench. Uh, but Utah being able to kind of string some games together and be able to hit some shots, that'd be fantastic. Svi has been, you know, man, there, there's only so much you can say about Svi on a day-to-day basis. Him and Precious, you know, kind of kind of feel like they have a one-up challenge on who can make the more head-scratching play in a game. Uh, so it's kind of – it's that's where I think, you know, where you're like, oh, man, if the Raptors can kind of like maybe trade two second-round picks for like a Terrence Ross or something. Maybe that's something you do, right? You move Goran Dragic, uh, get that got off that contract, and you get someone who can kind of help you off the bench, a veteran guard. That could I'm be helpful. Not at the Mo Bamba, Terrence Ross editions. I mean, Jeff yeah. Weltman is a friend take, of Masai Ujiri. If he can do us a favor, it would take it would take a fair a bit of the bench to get there, and the Magic would really have to believe in like who the Raptors have on their bench, which might be tough to do. The other thing is, hey, Chris Boucher, you know, he's known to get hot. He could easily get hot for the second half of the season and just be nailing forty five percent of his three. So. We never know, but what Chris has been doing as uh, Dennis Rodman role, as he likes to say, um, has been pretty fantastic as well. So you're kind of just hoping for the best with that bench. Maybe they add a shooter at the deadline. That'd be cool. Um, what are your thoughts about the the Bleds? I've been hearing a lot of Raptor fans going for Bledsoe. Of course, Bledsoe's not going to help with any shooting, but he's also a good defender, which is something that, you know, just bringing in a guy like Terrence Ross is not necessarily going to bring in any defense off the bench for us. I know Terrence is kind of considered that as a Raptor, but really hasn't been that. But Eric Bledsoe is. He's an elite defender. You bring him in. He's another sort of playmaker, a guy who can handle the ball at the very least. Um, what are your thoughts about the Raptors making a move there because the Clippers, poor Clippers. I feel like there's Raptor fans. If you've put a curse on them, I get it. I get it. I was hurt too, but it's been so long. <laughs> like things just never were like now we're hearing Paul George might be done for the season. And it's just like, it's too much. Give them a break. Enough is enough. But um, what are your thoughts about the, the Clippers maybe making that move knowing that their season is, is more than likely just finished. Uh, well, I don't know. So the thing with Bledsoe is like, yeah, the, the salary matches, you get a veteran guard, whatever it might be playable. But again, it's kind of like, why would I play Eric Bledsoe? Like, what is he bringing me? Right. Like, do why I, would I play Eric Bledsoe? Well, well, it's done. the same reason. Next, like, why, why would you play Goran Dragic? Right. If he was healthy, it's like, well, yeah, sure. He might help. But also it's like, do I care about giving this guy minutes over like maybe Delano Banton gets minutes, Maybe Malachi Flynn gets minutes, Maybe one of my young guys who I need to, be able to grow into a role she got those minutes right that's and fair that's fair it's the, my bigger it's issue the argument yeah between developing and, or contending this year yeah and with Bledsoe in particular like one one of the issues is like I, do I really want a guy who I cannot plug in with my starters like you can't play Bledsoe with most of the Raptor starters because like the spacing that he yeah. like doesn't provide kind of burns you there right so like you can survive with having so like if you're if you're goals. if you're if your choices are Eric Bledsoe or Terrence Ross, I think it's very clear that you would go for a Terrence Ross type, right? I, I don't think yeah. either of these are actually going to happen. I think Masai doesn't really make in, in-season trades. I doubt it's going to happen. But Masai makes Terrence- in-season trades when, like, the times that Masai has made in-season trades, just for Raptor fans who keep sort of harping on this because there's this notion of, like, well, Masai is never going to do it. He, he does it when you have Kawhi Leonard on your team and you're trading for Marcus Gasol. Or he does it when the Raptors 
should be winning and contending because they put in time and time and time again. And you need to make a change because Patrick Patterson is just not doing for you what he's supposed to be doing for you. And you trade for Serge Ibaka and PJ Tucker. He does it when it's time to blow things up and move Rudy Gay. So in the past, Masai Ujiri has done it time and time again. He just does it when it's important. He doesn't do it to do it. No offense, but that's kind of the difference between a guy like Brian Colangelo and a guy like Masai Ujiri is you're not just making a trade for Sean Marion midseason because you want a chance to make the playoffs. That's not something Masai Ujiri is ever going to do because here's what happens when you trade for Sean Marion. You're too good to get Stephen Curry in the draft and you end up with DeMar DeRozan. And yeah, DeMar is great, but would we not have loved the opportunity to have drafted a guy like Stephen Curry? That's what happens. So Raptor fans, it's okay that you're not going to go to the second round maybe this year. And maybe you will, maybe you will with this team, but if you don't, that's okay because you're building to something better and longer and just like, has way more to do with whatever happens this season. And I'm sorry, but it's just so frustrating that we keep hearing these narratives and it's just not true about Masai Ujiri. And it just doesn't make sense for what the Raptors want to do this year. Like let's dead the trade talks unless you're getting something for cheap. One of my favorite uh, moves on, on this type of thing was I think two years ago when the Lakers were struggling when LeBron first got there that first season and they decided to make a deadline trade to trade. Evita <laughs> uh, Zubac. Here, when you have LeBron, you traded, always make one though. They, they traded Evita Zubac. I can't say his name right now. They traded Zubats, who's Zubac. a young center, yeah. Yeah. for Mike Muscala at the deadline. LeBron tears his groin, hurts his groin a week later. That team wins like 27 games, doesn't make playoffs. And they traded Zubats for nothing. Like, there was no point in making that trade. They were an eight seed at best, even when they had LeBron, because that was when they were trying to trade for AD, but they weren't going to get AD at the deadline. So quite frankly, even if they made the playoffs of that team, they weren't going to really do much. It was too young of a team, wasn't going to do much. But you I give love, up Zubats for free, season. and then the Clippers just have Zubats who's still playing on playing a big role on their team. So that's that's the type of deals that kind of hurt you, where you're just like kind of throwing away, like if you give up on young talent too early. And I know a lot of Raptor fans, you know, are not impressed with Malachi Flynn. I'll be honest, I was a big Malachi Flynn guy last season. This season, I've been pretty disappointed with what I've seen. Um, but also it's like, hey, guys, uh, growth isn't always linear. And maybe he doesn't have a role on this team. But throwing him away for like 30 games of like Terrence Ross or like Eric, Eric Gordon or to try and make like one of these veterans come in to like win an extra playoff game or two when your team is like in its early prime seems kind of ridiculous. When, you know, Pascal and Fred are 30 and OG is 27 and you're making a run and Scotty's like 23 that's when it's like, all right, let's make this deal and let's get these guys yeah. some bets to get you over the edge. Right now, I don't think the Raptors are in that place, but you know, it's fun. It's always, it's always a good sign when people are, you know, thinking playoffs and thinking how are we going to win? Um, so at least that's a good sign that the Raptors are that good, that they can be and have a fan base in that mindset. But sometimes I don't even think it's that. I think just people get antsy and I get it. You kind of just like, okay, well, I'm bored. He's not doing anything for me right now. So let's just trade him for this other guy who's flailing on his other team because maybe there's just a change of scenery that needs to happen or some other random thing and it's just like calm down like what are your goals for this year and like is there a move that's not going to hurt you long term and can make because I don't I'm not opposed to the Raptors making a trade this season I think you make a trade if something comes and you're just like yeah like this is cheap 
this is good. This is not going to hurt our long-term thing. It's, it's okay, but you don't make a deal just to make a deal to shake things up because you don't like who's on your roster right now. And I, I'm with you in the point of like, what's the point in maybe even getting a guy like Terrence Ross who's what, 30 at this point? Terrence Ross has got to be 30 at this point. Bledsoe's what, 31, 32 at this point. And it's like, I, I, I'm fine getting, you know, Terrence if he's cheap. I, I like that Terrence Ross Mobamba thing. I think it could be fun and interesting. I'm not opposed to it, especially because Mobamba is young um, and he he does have a lot of sort of promise and upside. But like, what's the end game here? I don't know. I don't know. Forget about that. Talking about a team who does have an end game, the Milwaukee Bucks. They are coming back up on the schedule. It feels like the Raptors just played them because they did. And this time they're going to be playing them again. And more than likely Drew Holiday will be out of that lineup. It kind of feels like for the Bucks, they can never get a game with their big three of Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis Attentacumbo all playing together. But I mean, unless Giannis dodges the Raptors again, he should be available for Saturday's game. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, well, it's going to be interesting. Again, the Raptors are playing the Bucks again on the second night of a back-to-back. So it it's really going to depend. Like, how how bad will the Raptors, you know, be able to finally beat Dwayne Casey and take care of that stupid Detroit Pistons team uh, the night before? And, you know, be well- Is that the bigger matchup? Honestly, it's kind of hilarious. Like, the Pistons have been losing and losing badly for the last, like, week and a half. So who knows? They the beat Raptors- the Bucks. They beat the Bucks, which is really surprising because, like, again, (laughs) the Pistons are like they're the worst team in basketball. Well, the Bucks cannot win. The Bucks have lost four of their last five games. The Bucks have lost four of their last games, (laughs) and which is which is a little terrifying because the Bucks are probably going to be you know wanting to pack up some wins. And honestly, Giannis is going to be a tough matchup for the Raptors, especially if they're not healthy. They're going to need all of Scotty, Pascal, OG, Kem. They're going to need all these guys available because. The one thing Giannis says is he draws a ton of fouls. And if the Raptors are coming in there with tired legs, Giannis is going to push that ball straight down their throat. And they have to be ready to kind of wall up and defend that. Uh, less worried about Chris Middleton uh, for obvious reasons. But the Bucks do lack depth when they don't have their, their big three. They don't really have the depth or the bench to kind of carry them through games. We saw the, the last time we played the Bucks, we got DeMarcus Cousins dropped from the team. So, um, like, literally three quarters in the game. So, We'll see how it goes. Dante um, DiVincenzo should be, I think, is back for them already. So he, yeah. he should be playing in that one. So it should be interesting. I I think, again, if the Raptors are healthy, they're always going to have a good shot. As long as they don't, you know, do, uh, you know, let that Detroit game go on a little bit too long or play too many minutes in that game, they should be in okay shape. Again, you're on the road, so you never know what's going to happen. Uh, but I think the way that the Raptors are playing in general, the way Pascal Siakam's been playing, the way Fred Van Vliet's been playing, the way OG Ananobi's starting to come on a little bit, I think they can give any team in the league a, a good fight. And if the if the Bucks come in, you know, and they wobble a bit, it's a regular season game for them. They don't take it as seriously. The Raptors can definitely, you know, put a whooping on them as need be. So that should be fun. I think I think this weekend, if the Raptors can win that game convincingly, they'll more or less solidify themselves in that seven six range um away from some of the other playing teams and that'll that'll do some good going into the last couple weekends of all-star voting uh that tends to be like again we're all human so the coaches are also human and the people deciding and voting are also human so there's a lot of recency bias so you want to be playing your best ball um just before somebody puts their vote in um i know the media puts their vote in on the 22nd for the starters and while people won't say it I think some of that, some of the way the 
voting plays out for the starters tends to influence how the coaches probably pick some of their reserves, right? Depending on who they pick. So it'll be you fun mean, to see. Just in terms of like crediting guy, like yeah. if someone from one team makes it, you're like, I don't know if they deserve two all-stars or things like that. Is that yeah. And also it's just like, oh, well, this guy just barely missed out being an all-star starter. But it's like, mm. well, he might not actually deserve to be reserved, but it's like, oh, he's top of mind, right? Kyrie Irving? He's getting talked about. <laughs> no. Hey, look, if the Nets get all three of their guys in as all-star starters, like I get it because they're all-star level players, but man, that is a rough sell. It's I don't not think... going to happen. It's I don't not know. going to happen. LaMarcus think... <laughs> Aldridge has a better chance of being an all-star starter than Kyrie Irving. Yeah. If the coaches put Kyrie Irving in, that would be more or less that would be the most ridiculous thing probably of the season but they're, they're not there's literally like no way that they're going to do it because you know what another thing is coaches like outside of just like the ridiculousness of it like coaches are, are not going to do that outside of the ridiculousness of it I feel like coaches are they're a brotherhood right like it's it's their own group and I feel like what Kyrie Irving has maybe done probably rubbed some of them the wrong way I don't I don't foresee a lot of coaches being on Kyrie's side in terms of everything that's happened thus far yeah I don't his his team out like that I don't I don't know if Steve Nash is calling up coaches being like Kyrie Irving yeah you should vote for him to be an all-star did you see that one game he played <laughs> wasn't he so good in that one game against no he didn't play the game against you guys when you guys came here but like <laughs> that one time we were there he played you remember that it was last week yeah and he's already, he's like hurt with an ankle thing already like I, I just I, it's not happening for Kyrie Irving um in terms of the Bucks, I just, they've really, it's been such a weird year for them because the games that they do have their top three players, they've just been cruising. They've just been demolishing teams, you know, and then you have Chris Middleton out because of health and safety protocols. You have Giannis out, you have um, an ankle issue with Drew Holiday right now. And it just feels like they've rarely ever had all three of them together and after they're still not going to face a team with all three of them together and when there's just two I don't know what it's been but they just have not been able to put away teams um and it'll be fun just watching Fred Van Vliet and his home court throw up a bunch of threes and then leave him open again and again and again and I'm excited for the Bucks game I'm picking a Raptors win let's go all in all Raptor wins I think we get a good weekend of Raptor wins and hopefully, you know, Saturday's good enough where, you know, I hop on a slander pod again. That's my hopes. Um, whether we lose the game after the slander pod, that's a different story, but I think we went on a win streak after that last slander pod. So I'm going to keep it going and, uh, and keep, keep it coming. So hopefully the Raptors give us some reasons to talk some trash. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, everybody, it is Friday Views. Like, subscribe, tell your friends about it, and hopefully we get some slander next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 